This is Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast number 40. You know, we're closing in on the big 5-0 and haven't even been doing this for a year. So, hey, I think that's pretty good. We're going to cross over well over 50 before, uh, before we hit that one-year anniversary mark. So thank you for joining us for this one. This is part two of uh, just a continuation of number 39. So I would encourage you, if you haven't listened to 39 and you're catching this on iTunes and you're working your way down the list from the top, listen to 39 first and then this one will make complete sense. We're going to roll right in as a continuation talking with Armin Asadi. His website is whyileftgoogle.com. Okay, where we left off on the last one, we're going to just roll right on in here. We were talking about um, your monetization and how you got started online. I've known of a lot of people who tried to do this, made the jump, figured it was out there to be had, but didn't make it. Yep. How, how do you coach those people? Find something sustainable. You know, Even though you're trying to make that first dollar that's so very important to get a taste of making money and knowing that you can do this for yourself, even though that's important, there are so many shortcuts that are absolute BS shortcuts. You know, there's there's nothing in them that is sustainable that is going to allow you to create a business that serves you, you, your family, that allows you to build something that will give you recurring revenue. So first and foremost, there are no shortcuts. Find something that speaks to you, but at the same time, make sure that it's something you can build an actual business upon. A lot of people, they get into this world of online money-making, and that's exactly what they get into, online money-making. And that stuff, unfortunately, when you see those ads or you see those products, anything with words like that, get-rich-quick type stuff, I'm sorry, but it's it's not going to work. It's really just this cycle of people making money off people that want to make money online, which is sad. Mm-hmm. You would think they would be spending their time working on something that actually gives people something sustainable that they can work with, but it doesn't. So that's my first piece of advice is, you know, make sure that it's something that hopefully you create, be the creator of your content. Um, so one of the things that I did, and again, as I've said, I've made many mistakes and I tried many things because as I mentioned on the last one, you know, I cut off everything. I said, I'm jumping in. I'm going for it. And I had two visions when I first started. One was to create this YLF Google site and make this the authority site for all things solopreneurship, for all things that have to do with what I call the freedom lifestyle. And secondly, it was this course, Effortless Email, which I didn't even know the name of at the time. I didn't even know the name of it until the week before I launched it. And I knew what I was creating. So I will... I had that very clearly as an outcome in my mind. And I think that was very important to know that I could create my own content, I could create my own course, and that would live forever. So having something that you can create and hold on to, you know, make it yours. That's awesome. And since you've done this, I wanted to ask you this question. Since you've put all this together, and the time frame was when? When did you make, when did you leave Google? I left Google in June, July of, I believe it was the end of June 2012. All right. So we're recording this in December 2013, so about a year and a half. What yes. has life been like for you since you left? Uh, pretty incredible, exciting, but extremely up and down. You know, in full transparency, before I did all this, I was such a grounded, level-headed, um, 
peaceful, <laughs> you know, person. Uh-oh, I hear it coming. And, uh, you know, there is this, why? Because I had food served to me three times a day. I had, I mean, seriously, I had everything I could want. I had, you know, without getting into detail, way over $100,000 a year salary plus benefits. Life was good. Uh, I was 25, 26 years old. Not bad, man. Living in San Francisco. Not In bad. one of the greatest cities on the planet. Um, Working for one of the greatest companies. I mean, you know. Wow. Come on. Yeah. If, if, someone's de- de- if someone's depressed over there, please let me talk to them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's been up and down. You know, uh, there's a really, really cool chart I found recently. I don't remember the person that created it. It was on the 4-Hour Workweek site, an old, old post by a guest writer. And... It had to do with this uh, roller coaster of being an entrepreneur. Anybody listening to this can really just type in, you know, Tim Ferriss, Four Hour Workweek blog, uh, emotional roller coaster or entrepreneurs. And it's it's a brilliant chart because it talks about this uninformed optimism when you first start, and that's the stage where you just got to go out and proclaim what you're doing, get people on board, get people excited, you know, that whole thing. And really just be a spokesperson for what you're doing. And then there's this, you know, different stages. It's like a roller coaster ride. You kind of come down and you have this uh, a little bit of pessimism that comes next. And it's more informed. And that's the stage where maybe it's a smarter time to make decisions about money and things like that. And eventually, it talks about how there's this cycle where most entrepreneurs reach a crisis of meaning. And that crisis of meaning for me was just about a month ago. And it's it's tough. And I like to tell people this because most people don't. Most people just don't. They try to paint this glamorous picture of what entrepreneurship is like. And the reality is that you're building a brand, a company for yourself. It's all you. You have to pat yourself on the back every single day. But guess what? You get to write your own checks to yourself. And that's beautiful. And there's so many amazing things about it, and I would never change it for the world, but uh, it has definitely been more up and down because your emotions are no longer controlled by you know the things that they used to be. You're, you have to set yourself up every day for success. And so that's resulted in me creating some really, really cool rituals that constantly, and this gets into the subconscious stuff, you know, which is something I'm so passionate about and believe in so wholeheartedly. You know, affirmations and making sure I'm constantly on point and telling myself exactly what I want every morning, every night, visualizing what I want, meditating on what I want, and believing. The key is to believe and feel as if I'm already there. That's the difference. And that's where I turned the corner from my crisis of meaning. And now I'm in a level of informed optimism rather than uninformed. You know, I think the material that I'm locking on to the most now is that it's really not as much about what you generate cognitively with your mind in this area. It's what you do with your emotions. Yes. It's the feeling. Yes. And when you can feel, like you said when you, in the last podcast, when you clicked on GoDaddy or whatever it was to find the URL and you didn't know if it was there, but you felt like it was yours. Yes. You know, it's it's generating that feeling in the total black cloud of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. When it's mm-hmm. not there and when it doesn't look like it can be there, then when you can own it. And how hard is that? It's As Wallace Waddle said, it's the most difficult thing you can do. 
It is. Sustained thought. It is. It's very difficult. And becoming the person you want to become or whether it's manifesting things you want in your life, like being an entrepreneur or the car you want or the love you want, whatever it might be, the hardest part and the piece I, I believe personally most people are missing is that they're not seeing it in their hands already. They're visualizing, but they're missing that final piece of really truly believing that they're there. And, and, and here's one key that I've learned just in this last two months, which was a huge epiphany, sitting down with a friend of mine, which now I've been surrounding myself with a very different crew of people. <laughs> Good for <laughs> you. Oh, the more you change? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, it's like... You realize the, the value of that, don't you? Certain people, yeah. yeah. And, you know, we're sitting down and we're talking about things I would never talk to with other people because I know I can with them. One of the things we really discovered was you have to act. If you really want, what is the ultimate thing we want? We want to feel a certain way. That's what you said earlier, right? Right. It's, we want to feel a certain, it's not what we have, it's not what we accomplish. You can accomplish everything in the world. My, one of my most recent consulting clients is a PhD professor, and he's accomplished everything everything. He's an award-winning professor and has his own side business and everything. So it's not so much about what we accomplish. It's about a feeling that we hold in our minds and our bodies. And it's like this, you know, when you're vibrating, mm -hmm. you're just in the moment and you're vibrating, that's the feeling we're trying to sustain. If that is the case, then we have to act. When we're not feeling that way, we got to act like that guy or that girl. You know, you have to be that person constantly. Because there is this merging that needs to happen between who you are now and that person. And the more you act like that person, it will become a reality. And you have to do it in a way where you actually believe that you're that person. You know, that's the hardest part for a lot of people. I'll put a plug in here for my buddy Fred Dodson. He wrote a book called Levels of Energy. And in that book, Levels of Energy, he outlines the higher vibrating forms of energy. And the struggle is pulling ourselves up to those higher vibrating forms of energy because our humanity often and our circumstances want to pull us to the lower forms of energy. And when we yeah. operate in those lower forms of energy, yeah, we, it's, it's almost like uh, then you do have a ceiling. You mentioned in the last podcast that in this area of entrepreneurship, you don't have a ceiling. You do if, you, if you're not operating in those higher vibrations. Great point. Great point. All right, I mean, now, the ceiling is in your mind. So It, it is. And, you know, there's another <laughs> yeah. thing. So, yeah, the ceiling, the floor are in your mind. And another thing that's in your mind that you can't – I mean, you, you know, if I were to we talk about workplace stress, okay? Now, you know that I've recently <laughs> developed a little issue with my heart. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to determine – you know, I'm probably one of the, you know, one in 100,000 or more people who – walked into a cardiologist office in 2013 and said, hey, doc, I was doing yoga and I went into atrial fibrillation, you know, it's or atrial flutter in my case. But, you know, it just, <laughs> you know, yeah. after riding my bicycle 75 miles last week and doing yoga, I developed an atrial flutter. That just doesn't happen. Well, yeah. my, my dad had it. And so we're scratching our heads wondering where did this come from? And one of the things that I've been to several doctors now and they all kind of point to the same thing is that I've been under a lot of, quote, stress in my job. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't email you that stress. I can't draw you a picture of that stress. 
I can't send you to a website that shows you what it looks like. It's all conceived up in my mind, enough to a point where it probably has affected my heart. Mm-hmm. And I know that you are hearing this a lot from – and you said that you're coaching, right? Are you still yes. available? Are you taking coaching clients? Are you? Yeah, I'm going to be opening it up a lot more in January, but I am taking clients right and now. And that would be January 2014. So yes. just check the website, whyileftgoogle.com, and they can mm-hmm. email you from there as well, correct? Correct. Okay. So how do you – when you hear this come up, and I would imagine that anybody seeking you out – probably has some degree of stress that they're dealing with in their job, or at least dissatisfaction Mm -hmm. or yearning for something else. Yes. How do you work people through that? Well, we've got to pinpoint where it's coming from. And generally, it's coming from, for a lot of people, a level of uncertainty. Um, Anxiety generally comes from living in the future. You know, Depression comes from living in the past. And Mm. peace comes from being present. So generally, it's a worry about an uncertainty, an uncertain future, or an uncertain issue within the job or within the career. And pinpointing that can make a whole lot of difference, um, you know, being able to get that down. And, and the job of a coach or a consultant is, is no more than someone to be able to just stand on the side like, like the coach of an athlete and just see it from a different perspective and go, hey... Look at this instant replay. Did you see what you just did there? <laughs> did you see what you just said? Yeah. So, you know, pinpointing that is, is the big first step um, because stress comes in many, many forms. And generally, it also is because we kind of get stuck in our head and the mind boy takes over mm-hmm. uh, and just starts dragging you left and right and just all these thoughts and you just feel so overwhelmed uh, there was a point during my crisis of meaning stage, <laughs> which that's what I'm calling it, uh, you know, the mind boy just started taking over and the stress level was high. And I felt I was launching my effortless email product course and I was doing it all. And uh, I was in Thailand traveling the world, you know, thinking... And I thought I was going to be able to do this with no stress. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> la- launching a new product uh, from abroad was wow. extremely stressful. Ooh, and yes. uh, time zone difference, you know, I was up till 5, 6 a.m. every day getting very little sleep. And I realized that what happened was the mind boy started taking over. And I'm, I'm using that phrase because I heard it on the uh, on another podcast recently, but I can't remember where. <laughs> and I liked it. Um and meditation really helped me find my center again and allow me to take over. You know, when I say, I mean, capital S self. And that's really important because the other self, the ego, will take over and not look back. And it's really dangerous. And that's where stress forms. So, what was your shift? What was your turnaround point? Well, um, meditating was definitely big. And, um, you know, people have been asking me lately how to meditate, how to meditate. It's so hard for me. I can't get the mind boy to shut up. <laughs> the monkey mind, that's the other one that, that you know, yeah. is a common term. You said yeah. mind boy. Mind boy. <laughs> I think it was Joe Rogan, actually. Oh, I'm really? Sure. Yeah. yeah, I think it was Joe Rogan. And um, just really realizing that my life was, you know, we, we live in a perspective. We can have a million different lives based on our perspective. And my perspective was so in the micro that it was damaging me. Hmm. Who cares 
if something goes wrong for this launch? In reality, you know, would I have answered that that way? No. But if someone had changed my perspective, it also didn't help that I was all alone and trying to manage this from afar and trying to do it all by myself and making the mistake, which now I share with people, of trying to do everything yourself and being a perfectionist. It doesn't work. And so giving myself that perspective that in reality, it didn't matter in the grand scheme of things that this launch, this launch day was not going to determine all of the success of this product was important. And realizing that actually made a dramatic change, actually made it be a very successful launch in my, you know, for what my goal was. And it changed a lot of things. So we have different layers of perspective um, that we live off of. You know, we sometimes have to remember that we're hanging off of this land and this gravitational pull is pulling us in and we're on this planet suspended in the universe. It's like, whoa, the bigger picture. And that will wake you up because, I mean, come on. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not so much about this launch of this product. It's about, well, what's my outcome? And that's a key, key question that I constantly try to ask myself. What is my outcome? It's very important to ask yourself that. Why? Why are you doing this? What is the purpose of what you are doing? Is the purpose to have a glitchless launch? No. The purpose was, and I'm using a lot of what I did as an example, you know, the purpose was to create a course that people truly benefit from, that allows them to remove the stress of email from their lives, to add this to my portfolio of products and services so that I can build a, a, a true, real company for myself and live the freedom lifestyle. That was a big shift. Do you ever coach in reverse like this? Do you ever encourage people to stay where they are? Yeah, definitely. Um, you want to make that move at, at the right time, obviously, and you want to minimize risk. There's no reason to um, put yourself at, in, in harm. And one of the most important things, and again, the reason I said that I had to do it that way, that I had to cut everything and go all in is because that's how I am. I, I don't recommend it, though, because it can result in a lot of stress because as, I mean, books as old as Think and Grow Rich say, you have to have that safety net. Your mind will not allow you to be creative at all. You won't be able to create anything if the number one thing on your mind is, oh, will I be able to pay the rent or mortgage this month or next month or in six months? So taking something and building it up, and I use the scale analogy, you know, investing in something a little bit here and there and building it up and getting that first dollar and then making that first thousand dollars. When you know all that's missing is your time, it's a lot easier to just make a sidestep on the scale and say goodbye to the rest of it. And that is a much smarter way of doing this. Entrepreneurship does not need to be risky. Now, there's a great point. So before you left your, your career at Google, did you, uh, did you have – let me ask you a couple of questions. Did you have a pro forma? Um, of not your really. new business. Okay, not no. really. Did you have some money saved up in the bank? Yes. So mm -hmm. in, a, in a period of time, how much time did you have in the bank before you left Google? I would say about nine months. Okay, and that's, that's enough to know, right, one way or mm -hmm. the other. Yeah. And I guess from the risk management side, you're right there in the middle of Silicon Valley, and you had a great resume already at a very mm -hmm. young age. So – you know, from a risk management standpoint, if this hadn't have worked, you probably would have been okay. 
Yes. And in my mind, even if it didn't, I was <laughs> not going to go back. But yes, exactly. You know, I knew that in reality, I could toss my resume at a few different companies and get something. You know, again, I knew I would be able to to work my way back into the corporate or startup world if I wanted to. But um, that wasn't your you, – you really – that was not an option. No, I would rather – I had backup plants like – and I would get mad at myself for even making backup plants. But, you know, you got to do that. You got to be smart. And because I – why? Because I wanted to invest my mind into only one outcome. But, again, my mind would go, okay, well, what if, what if? Uh, and so I had, you know, ideas like – you know, working part time as more of a consultant at some of these startups, you know, when creating my own part time role if needed, but never really even allowed myself to that way. Well, you know, um, I love the vulnerability of this conversation because we, you have such a, an incredible story, such a, an unbelievable and, and envied pedigree, and yet you made this change and you've told us about the emotional roller coasters. It hasn't been some. Uh, as you've said, salesy pitch kind of thing of like, oh, yeah, wave <clears throat> a magic wand, go quit your job tomorrow. All of you can go do this. Like you're saying, it's tough. It's tough go out there. If we were talking when I had just left Google, I would have painted you the rosiest picture of my life and been like, hey, Thomas, you got to do this. <laughs> you know, this is where it's at. That uninformed optimism would have been abundant in my voice, in my conversation with everybody. And I'm sure it was. Doing this now a year and a half, I'm glad we're doing this a year and a half later because I can give you real honesty, real experience. And there are plenty of people that leave Google and do this, and I'm very proud of all of them. And I'm proud of the ones that have made a career for themselves at companies like Google or wherever company they're, whatever company they're at. It's more just a matter of doing what's true to me every single day, discovering my purpose and knowing that it wasn't going to be easy. I've worked harder and learned more in this year and a half than I have in my entire life. Uh, and that is like, I learned a lot <laughs> in the corporate world. You know, Before Google, I worked at 3M and learned a ton there. And that's another big you know, US-based corporation, conglomerate corporation. So, you know, that training and expertise, did it help? Yeah, sure. I was, I was more professional than a lot of the people I'm working with now. Mm. And uh, I have some of the, the skill sets to look at business in a way like, hey, I have to plan ahead. I have to, you know, make sure I have to forecast. I have some of those things in my background. But the skills and knowledge that everyone's on the same level, you know. And and your mind is what's going to get you through those tough parts. So hitting that point where maybe uh, you know my savings started draining faster than I wanted it to, and living in San Francisco, which is I'm sure you a know good how place expensive. to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, well, I really appreciate it, and certainly the emphasis of how the subconscious mind affects this is uh, very much present in your story. Yeah. Absolutely. And I can't wait to see, you know, like I've said, I always get excited about people in their 20s getting this because as the decades unfold, you'll be putting this kind of material to use. And when you are looking back from it at my age and your mid-50s, you'll be so glad that you made these changes and that you'll see how focusing your attention on these things has paid off through the decades. And it's a really cool view from down here 
when you're building it from your age. I envy you, and I really appreciate the time. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Thomas. This has been an awesome experience. And if you don't mind, can I ask you a question? Well, certainly. All right. Well, we talked about stress, and you know I like to learn from people. And I'm curious, you know, you talked about your stress and, and just some of the things you've been experiencing. And I'm just curious, what do you think it pinpoints down to and what do you think you could do differently? Because as a listener, I, I'm curious, you know, I'm also a listener. <laughs> so I, uh, I think of this podcast that I can learn from as well. And I'm always looking to learn from you. So. Well, I appreciate that. And yeah, you uh, emailed me through the contact box there on the website. And that's what started our conversation. So I mm-hmm. uh, would invite, any, invite anybody to do that as well. Uh, that's a great question. And I'll, I'll tell you, when you have something like this happen, it is an instant reframing of everything in your life. When you're laying on a table and there are four medical professionals connecting things to your chest and they're about to run a tube down your throat and shock your heart, it changes every perspective in your life from that moment on. And I'll tell you, it's not a morph process. It's not going through six months of counseling. It's not reading a bunch of books. It's instant of how you frame anything that comes into your life as an external stimulus from that point on. I mean, it was the most – the universe could not have been more friendly to me. You know how we talk about if you set your course, if you set your focus on a certain intention, that the universe will manifest the resources to bring that to about uh, – bring that to fulfillment for you? Mm-hmm. It could not have been more perfect and beautiful and instantaneous than what happened to me when they shocked my heart back into rhythm because mm-hmm. now – I'll tell you what I did. I went to my office. Now, you know, I manage a, a couple of medical practices and I consult in that space. So, I mean, you know, my email, I'm going to take your course because my email box is absolutely unruly. <laughs> and, you know, and it is. It's everybody else's agenda, except I do get to make a little, you know, I get to send invoices and, and get a paycheck from it. And like you said, I'm, I'm in that space of, um, well, where I am f- in my life is two kids in college and, you know, the more decades that go by, you kind of add layers of expenses that need to be covered. And so that's, you know, that's why I stay where I am. And now, of course, I have this nice diagnosis. So jumping out into a individual insurance plan would be uh, its own dicey situation that we'll just have to work through. But all of that pressure that was coming into my life, I would take that on and own it. Because it was being responsible, you know, it was doing what I was supposed to do and being a good employee. And and then all of a sudden, when I was laying on that table, when I got up and left the hospital, I just I knew that the one thing I could not do was take on somebody else's stress and own it as my own. So I set up a really cool environment in my office and I now have all indirect lighting. And I have a little – one of the little desktop, tabletop waterfalls in there and I have a nice set of speakers on my desk and I play music that is soothing and just completely changed the environment, number one. And then secondly, I've had really great support where I am because everybody knows what I'm going through and they've um, – they're respecting what I need. They're respecting the space and I'm able to just interact with things now as though they just are. Not that it's any certain type of pressure. And like you said, it's looking out at the future 
instead of framing it up as things are not okay and that something might go wrong, I'm just completely trusting the universe because I, the more I've engaged and interacted in this process, the more I completely trust a very generous universe that is interested in my best interest. Mm-hmm. As long as I conform my thinking and my intentions and my feeling to project into that universe that cares about me what I want. And as long as I stay with that process, then I know that things are going to be okay. I've just had way too many things come about. And I'll tell you this overlay of bringing in this spiritual element of angels has truly been remarkable. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do that class with Anu Shiasta that starts in January about angel hypnosis and angel therapy and interacting with angels because, I mean, even just this weekend, even yesterday with a decision that I had to make, I asked the angels and it just became really clear with a couple of double confirmations of the direction that I was supposed to go. And when you put that whole package together, then it really becomes a life of faith and trust. And that's what shifted. And I will tell you, it, like I said, it, it's not a six-month process. It was about six minutes. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing, Thomas, because as a listener, I always love to hear your perspective. Well, it's been – I'll tell you what. It's the, the journey has been um, pensive over these last six weeks because I just haven't felt that good. And we're finally getting the medication dialed in, and uh, evidently my body is pretty sensitive to this, to these uh, dysrhythmias of the heart. But we're getting it dialed in, and when it's when it stays consistent for a couple of days, I feel great. I feel like my old self. I feel like the guy who climbed the mountain in Colorado last year and rode 100 miles in Austin last year and can go back and do that kind of thing. And then when the flip-flops start, man, I just – I'll tell you what, it just sucks the energy out of me and – kind of sets me back and, you know, it's a little scary at the same time. Um, But getting all of that uh, corrected and then letting it heal over time hopefully is going to make a huge difference in three to six months from now um, should be a whole different perspective. So I'm really looking forward to that. But man, from from an emotional and a mental shift perspective. I mean, I wouldn't encourage this as the treatment for anybody. <laughs> if you're mm-hmm. if you're hard-headed and stubborn, find another way. But <laughs> but if this situation can help other people catch it before it becomes something like this, then I'm all in. I'm I'm more than happy to share what's going on with me from deep down inside because I mean it's, you know, it's a little bit personal and it's uh hanging out there for all to hear. But um if it can encourage other people to take a look at how they do process these external stimuli that come in every day. And look, I mean, I know people are going through some really tough stuff out there. Somebody listening to this, I would imagine, is dealing with life-threatening cancer, for example, or something really serious dealing with their children, or are going through a really crappy, nasty divorce that they don't see any end in sight. And those, those kinds of stressors, I don't at all minimize it. But again, the shift is when you're laying there on that table and you know that you can't take that on anymore from a health standpoint, you have no choice but to let it go. And then, you, as you said, then you find other solutions. You find other ways. You find other perspectives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Armand, let's tell people again how to get a hold of you. Best way would be ylfgoogle.com. You can always email me at armand, A-R-M-A-N, at ylfgoogle.com. And for the effortless email course, myeffortlessemail.com. And uh, the, main, the main site there at ylfgoogle is going to be kind of the central platform for all the things I'll be doing, whether it's uh, sharing more of the skills and experiences from my projects, the coaching and consulting. Um, there's going to be a lot of stuff going on on there. And uh, I'm always just looking forward to hearing from people. So people on Twitter, if you just want to say hi to, again, that's just Armand Asadi, at Armand Asadi on Twitter. Awesome. So I look forward to interacting with everybody. And um, just as a fan of this podcast, it's, it's a pleasure and I'm really, really grateful to be here and uh, looking forward to uh, listening to more of your wisdom, Thomas. Likewise, my friend. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the vulnerability and just the transparency, really, from both of us. I mean, Armin drew it out in me, and I think I drew it out in him. What a great interview to give you a realistic inside perspective of somebody who is living his passion, made the jump, has a tremendous story to tell, and is very encouraging. What a sharp guy. I can't wait to see how his career unfolds. Armand, thank you again for joining us on SubconsciousMindMastery.com. And my wish for all of us, especially at this time of year, is that we find and connect and fulfill our passion. My name is Thomas Miller. Thank you for listening. Enjoy your journey. The opinions on this podcast are those of the host based on personal experience only and are not intended as medical or psychological advice. If you are experiencing symptoms that require professional treatment, please contact a licensed medical practitioner. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.